0: on the word and we're going to just deal with about how important it is to be in the word a lot of different things about the word about how well anyway i won't teach on it yet but what we're going to do in these first two morning sessions is i'd like to take just a lot of practical things that a lot of people have been asking me about how to get into the word how do you study the word and a lot of people have been asking how do you remember scripture how do you how are you able to recall where Scripture is? A lot of things like this that I believe that are practical that we don't normally minister on. We usually get on into things that I consider you know, to be weightier things, but this is something that's really important because if you can't get a recall of the Scripture and if you can't remember where it is, you know, it doesn't do much, de- much good when you're fighting the devil and you say, Satan, I rebuke you and I stand on, let's see, what's this Scripture? And by the time you get through trying to remember where your Scripture is, the devil's already steamrolled you, amen? you got to have these things in your heart and you've got to really have a recall of it. And so there's a lot of things in the Word about how to remember Scripture. There's a lot of things in the Word about how to get revelation knowledge of the Word. And many people don't understand this. I'd say that revelation knowledge is probably one of the most important things that any believer can have. And yet, most believers don't operate in revelation knowledge. What I'm talking about by revelation knowledge is where you communicate and you get your understanding of the Word direct from God. God speaks to you and you can pick up the Word and you can read it and the Word becomes alive to you not just when you hear it from somebody else. Now, I'm not saying that you don't listen to other people because God called me to be a teacher to the body, and if you didn't listen to other people, there wouldn't be any point in me being here. God uses people. But I've also seen myself get to a point where I make a commitment, and I receive from God, not from a man. Now, I listen to people, but I don't receive it as their word. I receive it from the Lord. And I know that there's a lot of times that I've gone to services, and I'll be sitting there, and something will be said, and I'll get to meditating on it, and about two or three weeks later, I'll come out, and while I'm teaching, I'll come out with some great new revelation as far as I'm concerned. And I'll after it's over, I'll tell Jamie, I said, did you hear that? I've never seen that before. I said, that was just revelation knowledge pouring out of me right while I was up here talking. And she says, that's exactly what Kenneth Copeland taught on two weeks ago, and that you were listening to that. But you see... I didn't receive it as Kenneth Copeland. I didn't receive it as the word of a man. I heard it through a man, but the moment that it came on the inside of me, it became real to me. It became revelation knowledge. Do you all see that? And when a person has to stand up and all the time says, now this is what Ed Womack says, and this is what Kenneth Copeland says, and I've heard Kenneth Hagin say this, and when you're all the time quoting a man and it's not a real revelation to you, that's one reason it's not producing for you the way that it is for these other people, see, because you're quoting their revelation instead of your revelation. Does everybody follow that? And so, really, revelation knowledge, I'd say, is one of the most important things that we have, and it's also one of the least important uh, operated in things among the body of Christ. We wait on, most most of us, wait on other people to spoon-feed us everything that we get from God. Now, again, I'm not trying to discredit people that have got a gift. i got a gift. God called me to the body, but I'm saying that you can't depend upon me to spoon-feed you, amen? You can let me help you. You can let me set the table. You can let me show you some things, but you're the one that needs to take it, and you need to start eating, amen? Praise the Lord. How would some of you... Look, if you let your wife or your husband spoon-feed you, amen, you'd probably look a lot better. (laughs) I guarantee you some of us wouldn't be overweight the way we are because you just wouldn't get it letting somebody else spoon-feed you. No, that's important enough. You take care of yourself and feed yourself. Well, we need to do that with the Word of God. So we're going to be dealing with revelation, knowledge, and and a number of these things. Okay? Praise the Lord. Today I'd like for you to turn to John chapter 14, verse 26. And what I'd like to deal with is remembering Scripture, or recalling Scripture this morning. Tell us how to get into the Word and how to have the Word recalled to our remembrance. And let me also preface what we're going to say by saying that I am not talking about quoting Scripture for the purpose of showing everybody how much you know. If that's your motivation, you are not going to be properly motivated. You're doing it for yourself, and it won't work this way. It won't work, because what we're going to talk about is about how God has given certain things in His Word to quicken Scripture back to you. And if you are wanting to use Scripture to exalt yourself, God won't be quickening it to you. It won't work that way. You can't depend upon this. And so this, you've got to do it for a pure motive. There's a lot of people that stand up and they brag by how much Scripture they can quote or by this or that and a lot of other things, and that's not the purpose of it. Amen? In John chapter 14, verse 26... The Scripture says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. Now, this Scripture promises that the Holy Ghost, he is the Comforter, the Father sent him, and it says that he sent him to teach us all things and to bring all things to our remembrance. Now, many people don't even realize that this is a function of the Holy Ghost. A lot of people think, well, the Holy Ghost came to let me speak in tongues. The Holy Ghost came to give me power. The Holy Ghost came to teach me this or to teach me that or to do a lot of things. Well, one of the functions of the Holy Ghost is to bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever the Lord Jesus has spoken unto us. The word all things means all things, doesn't it? Amen. You can't beat. I mean, that's just exactly what it says. He is going to bring all things to our remembrance whatever the Lord Jesus has ministered unto us. And let me also share something here. Now, don't you go to making a doctrine out of this. Now, when I start trying to give some practical wisdom and share some things that the Lord's been telling me, I find that a lot of people try and make doctrines out of it, and they come along and say, anybody doesn't do it this way, they're missing God. I'm not saying that you have to do it this way. I'm saying this is the way the Lord's ministered it to me, and it's worked effectively, and I believe it had worked for a lot of other people. But I found this verse, and when I first got turned on to the Lord, I don't know if any of you have been this way or not. I imagine all of you have. When I first got turned on to the Lord, man, I took my Bible. I marked everything in it. I mean my Bible. If I was to show you some of my old Bibles, they were so marked up that I had completely scotch-taped the whole page together. It was just all hunks of scotch tapes for all it was. And I got to where I was, uh, had so many markings on my, on my Bible that it, that it geared my mind in a certain direction. Every time I'd read the Bible, I immediately saw what I had previously seen out of it. And that's the only thing that I could see out of that verse. And every once in a while I'd be caught somewhere by myself and I didn't have my marked up Bible with me and I'd just get the shakes. <laughs> Boy, I don't know where it is. This is my Bible. Did you, you know, for one thing, I realized that that's not right. To be addicted to a book, this thing ought to be on the inside of me. And then the second thing was, when I'd find myself out somewhere and I'd have to just start reading a Bible, it wasn't marked. Well, then I'd start realizing that all of a sudden more fresh things would start coming to me. I'd start getting some new things from the Lord. And I got to saying, how come? What's the difference? And the Lord says, well, your mind's geared. You follow those notes so much you can't see anything except what you've got written down in there. So, anyway, that's one reason that I don't mark in my Bible. There's a lot of times, boy, I'd like to, and I'd say, boy, I wish I could remember where this scripture was, and I'm tempted to go mark in my Bible. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to do that, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, I found out that this is the greatest note-taking system that ever was devised, is John 14:26. The Holy Ghost will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever Jesus has spoken to you. I used to also go to meetings, and I mean, I would take notes and no pages and pages of notes of nearly everything that was said. And did you know, as I'd go back over all of these notes, I'd find out that, boy, I don't agree with this one, and I don't agree with that one, and I'd have to sit there and kick some of them out and do a lot of these things and all this, you know. And finally, I just devised this note-keeping system right here that the Holy Ghost will bring to my remembrance whatsoever Jesus has spoken to me. In other words, Jesus won't quicken back to you anything that came through a man that was not spoken of God. The Holy Ghost won't bring that back to your remembrance. But if you will release your faith, now this all operates through faith, this is a promise that the Holy Ghost will, not might, not, you know, could, But he will bring to your remembrance whatsoever the Lord Jesus has spoken to you. Now, do you all really believe that? If you really believe that, well, then that means that you'll never lose a single thing that has been spoken to you in the name of the Lord. It'll always be there. And as you meditate on the Lord, the Lord will bring it back to your remembrance. Now, this doesn't just work automatically. You have to release faith for it just like you do anything else. And also, this is dependent on your life being a submissive life to the Lord. If you're out filling yourself with junk, filling yourself with the doubt and the unbelief of the world, if you're out listening to all of the wrong kind of teaching and filling yourself with that kind of stuff, you aren't going to be able to hear the voice of the Lord as the Holy Spirit reminds these things, brings these things back to your remembrance. But if you will put yourself in submission to the Lord and be sensitive to Him, as you meditate upon the Word and as you pray, the Holy Ghost will start bringing back to your remembrance things that you've been learning, things that you've heard. There's a lot of times that I'll be driving down the street and I don't have time to stop and get my Bible out and start studying something and I'll just make a note of it and I'll say, Father, I believe that you're going to bring that back to my remembrance. And so I'll go to studying the Word and as I study the Word, I'll get a little sidetracked and I'll get to thinking about this and thinking about that and the first thing you know, the Lord quickens back to me and says, Don't you remember what I spoke? And I'll go to studying it and I'll have that thing come back to my remembrance and the Lord begins to speak to me. Everybody see that? That's the greatest note-keeping system you ever had. You'll never get anybody's carnal opinion in there if you allow the Holy Ghost to be the one that takes notes for you. Amen? And it works, too. The Lord brings back to my remembrance things that I've heard three, four years ago. Somebody will say, and all of a sudden, it'll just come back when the time's needed. If I can use it as an example or whatever. It's a good system. But the main thing that I want to read this verse for is to show you that concerning remembering Scripture, and I believe that it's important to remember Scripture. Some people say, well, you know, what's the point in it? Well, you've got to have this in your heart. It's got to be a part of you. It's got to be a part of you. Like again, Kenneth Copeland used to always say this that when he was when I first listened to him and he was teaching on the word, he would say about I'd rather leave the house without my pants than I had without my Bible. And his thinking was, if I had my Bible, I'd believe for another pair of pants. <laughs> well now that sounds good, but did you know as I got to meditating on that, and I'm not criticizing Kenneth Copeland, I'm sure he's just using that as an expression, but I'm saying I got to thinking on that that you know, if you didn't have the word in your heart Carrying it under your arm isn't going to enable you to believe for another pair of pants. You all see that? Now, that's that's the problem that we have. A lot of times we get into a problem where we need something, and I mean it's an immediate need, and we rip our Bible out and start trying to find Scriptures and use Scriptures to start believing for something. Well, brothers and sisters, this right here does not produce faith. Did you know that? Brother, I thought that the Word of God produced faith. The Bible says out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, that the Word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. It also says out of Mark chapter 7, the traditions of man make the word of God of none effect. This word by itself does not produce anything until it becomes alive on the inside of you, until you take it off of this page. You know, a lot of us have really used this Bible like a superstitious thing. Well, like I've seen these uh, horror movies where, you know, Dracula... And the werewolf and all of these people, they come at you, and somebody all of a sudden, about the time they're ready to bite you on the neck, they see that you got a cross on. And they start backing up. They can't stand it because they see this cross. Well, that's magic. The devil doesn't back up because he sees a cross or because he sees a Bible or anything like that. Some people carry their Bible under their arm because, boy, they're prepared to fight the devil. Now, I'm not knocking the Bible. We need to be in the Word reading it, but you need to realize that all this is is the perfect representation of the Word and it doesn't work and it doesn't come alive until you get it on the inside of you and make it a part of you. I had a lady one time that I went in and into her house and I was talking to her and she gave me some spiced tea to drink and she had a big old family Bible on her table and I laid my cup of spiced tea on top of her Bible and she liked to have come unglued. Like... What kind of disrespectful guy are you putting your coffee cup on top of my Bible? Says, aren't you supposed to respect the Bible? Nothing's ever supposed to be said on top of the Bible. Well, I had to blow all the dust off of it. She hadn't read the thing. She didn't use it, you see. She wasn't in the Word. She was carnal. She was rebelling at the Word, doing all of these things. Here I was trying to live it. I was taking it and putting it on the inside of me. Brothers and sisters, that's a greater reverence than sitting here reverencing a book. I could throw this book out in the street. Now, I'm not going to. I reverence what it stands for enough that therefore I have some reverence for the book. But I'm saying I could throw this book out in the street and let it get run over by a car and it didn't hurt the Word of God and it didn't destroy the Word of God because the Word of God is not ink and paper. The Word of God is spirit and it is life. John chapter 6, verse 63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's Word is spirit. This isn't spirit. This is physical. I believe that it is a perfect physical representation of the Word of God. I am not discrediting this. I praise God for it. People have died to provide this Word for us, and it's important, and I love it. But I guarantee you, I know that this right here is not the Word of God until it becomes alive and working on the inside of me. This is God's representation. It doesn't become spirit until I put it on the inside of me. You can lay this Bible on top of your head all that you want to, and you'll never get healed. Amen? You'll never be prospered. You'll never be blessed. You can carry it under your arm. But until you get it on the inside of you, you will not receive the life and the victory that's in it. Amen? So I believe that it's important to be able to retain Scripture. How do you get the Scripture down into your heart? Well, I think one big mistake that most of us make is that there's a lot of us that try and memorize Scripture. Now, again, I am not going to say you can't memorize Scripture because you can. It's been proven. Have you ever heard of this uh, fellow that draws pictures of a chapter in the Bible? I've heard of this guy, and he's got a memory course, and he's a Christian, and he's got this memory course, and what he does, he draws pictures of the Bible. Of a uh, deal, he puts all of it in pictures, and people get a mental picture of it, and they can recall that verse word by word. And he can train people within a two-week period to remember every word, word for word, of the book of Revelation. Memorize the entire book of Revelation in two-week period, and he's done it with people that have never been able to remember their neighbor's name before, you know, and things like this. He's proven that he can do it. Now, that's not totally wrong because, brothers and sisters, any way you can get the Word of God on the inside of you, it's going to be profitable because if you get it stored in your computer up here, well, then at least God can bring it back to your remembrance and drop it down into your heart. I am not discrediting that, but I'm saying that also you can miss it and still have the Word up here in your heart. It's not That it doesn't always produce. Having the Word in your head is not the same as having it in your heart. Romans chapter 10 says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Faith has to come out of your heart, not your head. And there's a lot of people that stand there and they quote the word, but it's an intellectual thing with them and it doesn't produce. And I don't know if you've been exposed to that, but I have. There's a lot of people that come out of these cemeteries and they get taught all of this theological knowledge and they stand up and they can quote scriptures and they can do all kinds of things and it produces death. It does not release life because it's not spirit. The Bible says, out of Second Corinthians chapter three, verse six, that the Spirit gives life, but the letter kills. But the Spirit gives life. The letter, mere knowledge about the Word of God, kills. It does not enlighten. Y'all see that? It's got to be spiritual revelation, what we was talking about just a second ago. It's got to be coming from the heart. So it can't be just facts. I even heard a story about a man that was in a carnival, and he made his living by taking bets that he that you could quote any chapter. And verse of any book in the Bible, and he would be able, I mean, that you'd give the reference, and he'd be able to quote the verse. And he'd place up to a thousand dollar bets. And that's the way that he made his living. This guy had the whole Bible set to memory, and yet the guy was not saved, he was not healed, his family was broke up, he was dying of cancer, everything was wrong, and yet he knew every verse in the Bible nearly by memory. Isn't that something? You see, it didn't profit him not being mixed with faith. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says. The Word of God did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So it's got to come out of your heart. Now, memorizing Scripture isn't bad if you don't stop there, if you go on past it. But I'm saying that you don't even have to memorize Scripture to be able to retain Scripture. Because when you memorize something, you're storing it in your head. And you're learning it with your head. And you may or may not ever get it down into your heart. But when you go about it, the Scripture method of retaining scriptures, it goes directly to your heart, and the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the heart proceeds all of these thoughts, and and on and on it goes about how that our hearts, you know, is where the issues of life come from. When you start putting the word in your heart, I guarantee you, it'll profit your mind, and it'll profit your body. Every bit of it will begin to profit. Amen? Well, the way that you get the scripture down in your heart, first of all, you're going to have to read it. Amen? There's a lot of people that just like to pray and say, Father, I believe for you just to put all of the word in me. And then they go prop their feet up and watch as the stomach turns on the TV and they wonder how come I'm not getting the word in me? Well, it's because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to hear the word of God to receive the faith and the revelation knowledge of it. The Holy Ghost will teach and instruct us, but first of all, you've got to go to class. The Holy Ghost is our teacher, but you've got to go to class. Did you know it? To get taught. And a lot of us simply one reason we don't retain the word is because we are not filling ourselves with it. If you fill yourself with the word of God and if you meditate there in day and night, I promise you you'll start retaining the word of God. It'll start making a difference on you. Most of it can tell us about all that J.R. does on Dallas, can't you? Did you know I don't I had never heard of that show until last week my mother mentioned it. She's been watching it, and then I read something I forgot where it was, but I read something in an article and they uh, said something about that the whole United States plus two or three different countries, that the number one person that they were aware of was J.R. in a Dallas series. That it took precedence over reading the word, over all of the international problems and crisis and everything else. Man, not that something? That people are more aware of a fictitious character on a dumb show. That's what? Well, now, brother, are you talking about yourself or somebody else? No. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> is that right? Andy, yes, ma'am. Well, now, I'm not knocking the guy. I've never seen the show. I don't know what the character's about. If you like JR, that's your business. But what I'm saying is. What I'm saying is that, see, if you are interested in something and if you fill yourself with it on a regular basis, most of you could tell me right now exactly who J.R. is. Most of you could tell me a lot of things about what you're interested in. You don't have trouble remembering what you're interested in and what you fill yourself with. The reason we have trouble retaining the Word of God is because we go one hour a week and let somebody at Sunday school try and teach us, and the whole time you're thinking about what the Broncos are going to be doing that afternoon, and you aren't even applying yourself to that. And then we wonder why we aren't able to retain the Word. Well, now, there's a lot that can be said about it, but the first thing is you're never going to be able to retain the Word until you stick your nose in it, amen, and begin to read the thing and give the Lord something to bring back to your remembrance. God can't bring anything back to your remembrance if it isn't there. Now, when I was uh, young, I've always been reading the Word because I was brought up that if you didn't read your daily Bible readings and make a hundred on your checklist on Sunday morning, something was wrong. I did it out of the wrong motives. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but Baptists have a checklist. You've got to check your deal and you make a hundred, eighty, ninety, or whatever. I always made a hundred since the time I was a little kid. So I always read my Bible, and I had some knowledge of the Word, but I was totally ignorant of revelation knowledge. It wasn't real to me, and it wasn't in my heart. And when I was a senior in high school, I got a hunger for the Lord because uh, I was starting to leave high school... I knew that there was going to be a change in my life, and I had to start making decisions. Up until that time, I was just goofing off. Amen. I didn't care about nothing. Everything was going fine for me. And I had to start making a decision about what I was going to do in high school, about the vocation I was going to have. And I really had a desire to do what God wanted me to do, not just to be doing something, to be doing it. All of my friends were going through college, and they still didn't know what they were going to do. They were just going to college. They was enjoying college. Well, I determined that, you know, I wanted to be what God wanted me to be. And I didn't know anywhere else to get it. Nobody was preaching about how to receive the knowledge of what God's will was. So I just got hungry, started reading the Word. And my senior year in high school, I threw a paper out. I had to get up at 4.30 every morning and go throw papers. And I stayed up never, well, I can't say never, but I'd say an average of 2.30 every night reading the Word. I just never read the Old Testament. And I'd read the Bible. And I'd get sleepy. And I had this fluorescent lamp. Then I'd put my Bible down under the fluorescent lamp and I'd lean over it. And when I'd start to fall asleep, I'd fall over and burn my head on that fluorescent lamp. And it'd wake me up and I'd go for another 30 minutes or so. And I'd keep myself up that way. Some people say, do you have to do that? No, you don't have to do that. But what I'm saying is that's the way that I started getting in the Word. I wasn't receiving a great knowledge out of it, but... Now, let me say I wasn't receiving great faith out of it because I didn't have a proper understanding. But I at least was putting it in there, see, and giving God something to draw back on and put it all together. One reason people don't understand the Word is because the Word is based on itself. The Word comments on itself. The Word is a commentary on itself. And if you take one little passage of scripture and if you try and milk that scripture for all that it's worth and if you don't have a basic understanding of the rest of the scriptures, you're gonna get out of balance. A truth that God gives you will never, never, never contradict another truth in the Word of God. And there's a lot of people that just totally ignore this. They take scriptures out of context. Let me give you an example of it. A good old faith scripture that most of us use and many people abuse is in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, where it says, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And people have taken that scripture to teach all kinds of things. Now, I believe that that scripture is promising us that we can have the desires of our heart. You've got to believe that you receive when you pray. I am not arguing with the faith that's been taught from it, but I'm saying some people have taken the little bit that they've heard from that verse and they've misapplied it. And I've even heard testimonies about where a single girl comes up and says, I'm choosing this one. I desire this one. And in the name of Jesus, I believe I receive when I pray and he's mine. Well, he may be married to somebody. You can't apply that verse against the Word of God. It didn't say whatsoever things you desire for somebody else, believe that they receive it when they when you pray and they shall have it. That's not what that Scripture says. You see, that's taking it out of context. And also, if you'll read the 25th, And the 26th verse, it says, As you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you. See, a lot of people just dissect it, and they don't realize that if you're operating in unforgiveness, you can desire and believe, and you can do everything that you want. Here's faith on one hand going out, and you've got an open door to the devil through strife. James chapter 3 says, Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. When you open up the door through strife, you just fling the door wide open to the devil to let let him do what he wants to in your life. And you can be confessing the word and confessing faith and doing all of the faith things over here. And if you're operating in strife, you're destroying your faith. Now, you see, because people have taken that verse out of context, not that they're saying something that it didn't say, but they have not balanced it with the rest of the Word of God. There's a lot of people that have got into a lot of trouble. They've gone to confessing that somebody else was going to receive something. And when it didn't happen for them, they get all, you know, upset. How come the Word works? What happened? You need to realize there's things that enter into this. There's a lot of things that enter into it, and we need to take the Word as a whole and balance it out. There is no way that you're going to get a proper balance and a proper revelation knowledge of the Word until you begin to study the Word as a whole and put the Word in you. Amen? I mean not just selected pieces of it, but you're going to have to take all of the Word. And did you know I'm not saying this for my benefit, but I'm saying this as a... a uh, testimony along the lines of what we're talking, that I'd say probably the most compliment that we get from people is that they say that you have taken things that I have seen in the Word that's contrary to the faith message that I've heard, and you've taken them and explained them and put them in a proper light, and it's taken away those questions, and it's and it's helped me. That's one of the things that people say. Well, one reason that we've been able to do that is because a long time ago, see, I took I started studying the Word, not just selected parts. And when I find something about faith, as, as a scripture is brought back to my remembrance that looks contrary to it, instead of sitting there and ignoring that thing, I'll go try and harmonize the two and pray over it, and the Lord will show me, and they'll balance out each other and give you a proper balance. You are not going to be at a disadvantage by believing the whole Word of God. But it is possible, brothers and sisters, to take my tapes, to take anybody else's tapes, to take a teacher and get so single-minded on what they've said and not balance it out with the rest of the Word of God that you can get in an area where you aren't operating, in a true balance of the Word. Now, when I'm talking about balance, let me also say this. A lot of people, when they're talking about balance today, they they think that a proper balance means a little bit of doubt and unbelief mixed in with faith. In other words, you don't want to get so single-minded on faith that you know you just get total faith. Let's put a little bit of doubt and unbelief in there and say, God put sickness and disease on you and a few other things to balance this out. No, that's not balance. That's doubt and unbelief. I'm not talking about mixing doubt and unbelief with your faith. I'm talking about making sure that your faith is compatible with all of the Scriptures and you begin to make it work. Like an example of what we're talking about here is um, Martin Luther. I don't know how many of you are familiar with him, but the Lord used Martin Luther mightily in the Reformed Uh, during the Reformation, and uh, he may not have had some of the revelation knowledge that we've got, but you've got to remember where he was coming from. He was a Catholic priest, and back during this time, there was not any true salvation taught. They taught that you were saved by doing this, doing this, doing this, going through the rituals, by saying your confession, by getting sprinkled when you're a baby, and on and on it goes, and that was typical salvation. Martin Luther came along preaching salvation by grace through faith, and he hung this piece of paper up on the uh, Catholic door listing the scriptures that prove salvation by faith and it's not by your works you can't be baptized into the church and on and on and went and man he got excommunicated from the Catholic church he suffered tremendous amounts of persecution because of his stand and so where he came from he really did receive a great revelation and he operated in it but Where the Lord showed him this from was uh, Romans chapter 1 through 8, especially chapters 4, 5, and 6 is where Martin Luther got this revelation, Romans 4, 5, and 6, about how it says that you're saved by grace. And Martin Luther took these scriptures. There's one in Romans chapter 4 that says you are saved by faith, not by works of the law. Works of the law is talking about by your own effort, by your own good works. And Martin Luther believed that so strong, and he had a truth, he saw that it was real, he saw people's lives changed by what he preached, and he believed that so strong that over in the book of James, where it says that you're saved by works, not by faith, alone, Martin Luther could not reconcile the two, and he came out and said that the book of James was not meant to be in the Bible, somebody stuck it in, it is not compatible with the book of Romans, and Martin Luther would not let his people read the book of James. He said it was an apocryphal book. Now, that's not true. When I found that out, I said, boy, something's wrong. And I had the same problem, see, because I began to find out about how that faith, what moves God, and yet over in the book of James, it talks about faith without works is dead, that you save saved by works. And boy, at first, those seemed to be just an apparent contradiction. Do you all see that? Let's look here in Romans chapter 3, and I'll show this to you. I believe it's Romans chapter 3. And a lot of people, you see, just skirt around this, and they don't deal with it. If you do not deal with apparent contradictions, and I say there are apparent contradictions because there are no contradictions in God's Word. If you don't deal with apparent contradictions, you're going to become lopsided in something that you teach. The Word always balances itself out. It says in verse 26, it says, "...to declare, I say at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith." Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And it goes on and it says quite a bit about being saved by grace instead of by works. And then over in the book of James, if you'll compare these two, in chapter 2, the scripture says in verse 14, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead?" Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Now see, if you are familiar with Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4 is saying Abraham was justified by faith before he had circumcised his child before anything. Right here it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac upon the altar? It looks like totally contradictions. It looks opposite and for a while I had a lot of trouble with it. But the key to this is over in First Thessalonians, I believe it is. Let me look this up. First Thessalonians chapter one. I'll have to operate in what I'm teaching, amen. Have the Holy Ghost bring this to my remembrance. Praise the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter one. It says in verse three, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. Now, see, James is talking about a work of the law. And that's what James was speaking against is a work of the law. Most people, when they read James and it says that you're saved by works, they immediately think of works of the law. A work of the law is, in other words, you do this, this, and this, and I'll do this for you. In other words, you earned it. If uh, you were to come and... Go out and wash my car for me and do duplicating of tapes, set up our equipment, do all of this, and then you could earn getting something. Well, then you work for it by the law. But if I gave something to you totally free, I mean, it didn't cost you a thing, but because you love me and because you received the gift, you wanted to do something for me, and you went out and washed my car and did all of this, that would be a work of faith or a work of love. Do you see that? They're different. Well, James is talking about a work of faith rather than a work of the law. And what it's simply saying is, you're saved by faith. The Bible makes that clear over in the book of Romans also, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says that you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. It is not of works. We are his workmanship. We are saved by grace through faith without the works of the law. But James chapter 2 puts this in a proper balance and shows us That if that faith that you have is not genuine enough and coming out of your heart enough that it produces works of faith within you, not works of the law, but works of faith, then it's not a real faith. You could say it this way, that faith alone will save you, but saving faith is never alone. And that's what he said right there. He said, you show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. It also says out of Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that faith comes from the heart. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And Jesus said that out of the heart proceed the issues of life. When a person really believes something from their heart... When they believe it from their heart, there has to be immediate actions. That is just the way that God made you. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the heart comes the issues of life. What you believe in your heart is what you're going to be. Now, you can sit here and say, Oh, brother, I believe in healing. I believe in prosperity. I believe in all of this. You can tell by your talk and you can tell by your walk what you really believe. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect I'm saying that you can have all kinds of allowances for growing, getting strong in, it, and doing all kinds of things. But a person that sits here and says that they believe that they're healed, and then they go out and they go to somebody says, "How are you doing?" Oh, I feel terrible. I feel, and they immediately see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What they really believe in their heart is what's going to come out. Y'all see that? And that's all that James is saying. And this puts it in a proper balance because, you see, there's some people that have taken the doctrine that you're saved by grace through faith and they've said that, look, it's totally nothing that you do. Therefore, get saved and you can go live like the devil and you'll be saved. Well, technically, the principle is there that it is not according to your works. But it doesn't work that way experientially because if a person doesn't believe what they've confessed enough, when they confess Jesus as their Lord, if they don't believe it from their heart enough that there are going to be some works, not of the law, but works of love and works of faith that follow, then it's not a genuine type of faith. It was just an intellectual decision. And you see, if James chapter 2 is preached along with it, then that will put it in a proper light. I tell people that you're saved by grace. You can't save yourself. But I also tell people that if you don't mean it from your heart and if you aren't willing to commit yourself and act on it, it won't work because it's not God's kind of faith. God's kind of faith is not just, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I believe there's a God. Well, James chapter 2 says the devils believe and tremble. The devils aren't saved, are they? And yet they believe that there's a God. See, in America, this is needed to be preached because people think, well, I believe there's a God. I was born in America. I'm a Christian. If you're born in America, you're a Christian. There's a lot of people that think that. The devils believe in God, and they're going to go to hell. Did you know there's going to be a lot of preachers in hell? There's going to be a lot of church members in hell. There's going to be a lot of good people in hell. People say, I just can't understand that. How come? Because if all you did was mentally acknowledge that there is a God, you've done nothing except what the devils have done, and the devils aren't saved. Salvation is a commitment from your heart, and it's got to be acted on from your heart. If you don't believe enough that you're going to act on the commitment that you're making to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you don't have a saving kind of faith. You don't have God's kind of faith. Because James chapter 2 shows you that faith always has works to go with it. Not works of the law, but works of faith. You see that? That, to me, gives a proper balance to it, and I wouldn't minister it without James. Martin Luther wanted to kick James out of the Bible because he couldn't reconcile it. It wasn't that the book Bible was wrong. It was that Martin Luther was wrong. And I don't say it disrespectful Martin Luther. I'm not perfect either, amen. And God loves me. That man was coming out of a lot more bondage. He laid a lot of the groundwork that we're just now entering into. But anyway, the reason I brought all of that up is to say that if you're going to get a proper knowledge of the Word, you can't take just a selected thing. You can't go to a daily loaf promise. deal. have you ever seen those? Looks like a loaf of bread and it's got all these different colored pocket promises. Now, it's okay as long as that's not what you're using to get your revelation knowledge from and your remembrance of the word. You can't just pick one little scripture out every once in a while and look at it and say, I believe that this is the Lord speaking to me. It's possible it would come that way, but to get a proper understanding of the Word, you're going to have to get into the Word and study it and begin to start filling yourself with knowledge of all of the Word and let God begin to bring it back to your remembrance. And when you get one truth, let the Holy Ghost quicken to you. Scriptures that will go along with it, Scriptures that look contrary to it, sit down and put them together and get a proper knowledge and discernment of the Word of God. And there's a lot of people that have missed it because they haven't gone to the Word, they've gone to tapes, they've gone to books, and they take selected scriptures, and that is the only revelation of God's Word that they've got. Everybody see that? Now, I think that all of you understand, I'm not against books and tapes. We put out over 60,000 tapes, amen, and we're seeing them touch people's lives. But I'll, tell, I'll be the first one to tell you that they are not a substitute for the Word of God. They help you. Amen. They help you. It ought to be a springboard for you to get into the Word of God. I'm not against them, but I'm saying there is a proper usage. They are not Scripture. They are not the Word of God. And they, they may contain the Word of God, but you've got to go to the Word and get it verified yourself. Amen. So you've got to get a overall knowledge of the Word of God. I said that by getting off on the fact that, to get first of all, the first step in getting the Lord to bring Scripture back to you is to get Scripture in you. Amen. You're going to have to put it in there. And then... Out of the scripture we started with, out of John 14:26, if you will begin to release your faith, and if you will begin to earnestly pray and say, Father, where is this scripture? Exercise yourself on it. The scripture says out of First Timothy that you have to exercise yourself unto godliness. You've got to exercise these things. The Lord will not bring things to your remembrance unless you exercise yourself. Did you know that everything that you've ever had ministered to you in your brain is stored up there? And medical doctors have found this out and they have taken people and they have begun to, uh, you know, open up their skull and put pressure on a certain part of their brain that they know has to do with memory. And they have gone back to children recalling things. I mean, grown people recalling things that they did when they were children up to two or three weeks old. They can recall things. It's all stored in this computer up here. It's there. It's there. But the problem is, how do you draw it out? People who become memory experts, it's not that they've got something that you don't have, it's that they have begun to draw on what they have, and you have not. Most of us confess with our mouth, I just can't remember things. Most of us, I can't remember names. You know the reason you can't remember names? It's because you don't ever hear that person's name. You're doing that just simply as a means of talking, you know, and uh, keeping the conversation going, and you don't really apply yourself to listen To that person's name and be concerned about them, you're thinking about yourself. Everybody relate to that? I know because I meet a lot of people, amen. And I have been believing the Lord to remember names, and I'm getting better at it. I remember hundreds and hundreds of names now that before I couldn't have. But you see, that's even in the natural realm. It is there, and certain people are able to tap in on it. Well, it's the same in the spirit realm. The Holy Ghost will bring all things to your remembrance. Your spirit man, according to Colossians chapter 3 verse 10, it says, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. This spirit man is renewed in knowledge. You have the mind of Christ. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 says that you have the mind of Christ. You've got this revelation knowledge. You've got perfect memory and you've got the Holy Ghost to make it functional out here and bring it to your remembrance up here. But it has to be drawn on. So you're going to have to start believing God and consciously make an effort and start releasing your faith and believing for it. It doesn't happen by mistake. Now, that's so simple that I think a lot of us miss that. A lot of us would like to have the revelation knowledge and we're sitting here, God, why aren't you doing something? Well, what have you believed for? You aren't believing for anything. That's one reason, as I said, I got rid of my Bible that had all the notes marked in it because I didn't have to remember anything. I could tell you it was on the left-hand bottom side of the left page. I, I had it marked where it was. I could remember where the marks were. And all I had to do was just flip through and find it, amen, because I knew exactly what side of the page was on and how it was marked, stars around it, parentheses, whatever. Now, that's not letting the Holy Ghost bring much to your remembrance. You see, you got a cheater stick. Now, I'm not knocking that. If you want to use that, fine. But I'm saying that if you're going to believe God to start bringing things back to your remembrance, you're going to have to give the Lord an opportunity instead of your notes and of something else. You're going to have to start believing God. And at first, it may be very hard on your flesh. But did you know the end result will be beneficial? When I first made that decision, and again, don't anybody think that I'm putting down a standard. If you go to getting contentious with somebody because they're marking their Bible, I ought to kick you, amen? That's not what I'm saying. I wouldn't, but I said I ought to. I'm not being contentious, but I'm saying that it's worked for me. And when I first made my decision, I had very little recall of the Scripture. And at first, I thought I was going to lose everything I knew. I felt just naked. Boy, I wasn't able to remember the Word. I wasn't able to find anything. But you know what? It made me start believing God. And I started praying. I said, Father, your Scripture says that if if I acknowledge you, that you'll bring all of these things to my remembrance, I'm believing for it. And did you know that now the Lord just recalls Scriptures to me by the thousands? And it's not something I can't sit down and I couldn't just begin to quote Scripture for you right now. I can't do it. It's not stored in my head. It's in my heart. And when I start ministering or talking to a person on a certain thing, and if I'm sensitive, the Holy Ghost will start leading me and the Holy Ghost will start bringing Scripture back and Scripture starts flowing out of me as the Lord quickens it. But if I'm sitting in a service and if somebody else is uh, ministering, did you know I don't think of scriptures the way that I do when I'm ministering? Because the Holy Ghost isn't inspiring me to be ministering. I'm listening to that other person. I'll follow them, and I very seldom when I ever get the Scriptures start flowing out on me and things because it's not being ministered. Do you all see that? The Holy Ghost will bring it back to your remembrance, but you've got to believe for it. I don't want anybody to make a doctrine out of this, but this is just something that I do to help quicken my faith. That since we've been married until Larry gave me my watch, this watch has an alarm on it. And I use it because it's neat. I think it's neat, amen, for this little uh, computer to go beeping. So I've used it some. But did you know that until I got that watch about two or three months ago, I've did not. i never used an alarm clock since the time we've been married. There's been times we've gone to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and had to be up at 4 o'clock to go somewhere, and I just asked the Lord. He's awake all night, isn't he? Amen. It's not like he's going to have to wake up early to get me up. Amen. So I just asked the Lord to wake me up. And we've done that for seven and a half years, and did you know I have never one time ever missed getting up at the proper time, and I've never been late for a thing. The Holy Ghost will teach you. The Holy Ghost will wake you up. Now, you don't have to do that if you want to use an alarm clock, and if you want to sleep, that's fine. But I'm saying that that's just a small area that I chose to start releasing my faith in, and it does take faith. You promise somebody you're going to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's important, and you go to bed, and the devil will tell you, you, say, you're tired, you're never going to get up. And I sit there and I say, I just believe that the Lord will wake me up. And it works. Did you know it? And when you start developing your faith, now that's a small thing you don't have to do. It, but I'm saying that if you'll do it, it'll begin to develop your faith so that you can believe for other things. If you can't believe God for waking you up, how are you going to believe God for something else It's important? That's a little small thing. That's optional. You see that? And that's one reason that our faith doesn't work is because we try and believe the Lord on something real big, but we don't trust him on the small things. Well, you ought to use this. Concerning remembering Scripture, I mean daily, when you have to receive revelation knowledge and get a Scripture, and, and you know that you know where it is, and you know that it's been made real to you, but you just can't put your finger on it, well, don't go to calling everybody, or don't go to getting the concordance and running through it. Sit there and say, Holy Ghost, teach me, remind me. Now, there's some wisdom on this. If you have not got it in your heart, the Holy Ghost can't bring it back to your remembrance. So, if it's not in your heart yet, go get you in concordance, call somebody, find it, get it in your heart, and then believe the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to know where you are. I still use a concordance. I'm not saying those things are wrong, okay? But I am saying that I depend upon the Lord more than I do a concordance, and therefore I have recall of Scripture because I've released my faith on it. It's not something that happens by accident. Amen? Y'all see that? And if you'll begin to apply those principles, I guarantee you, Revelation knowledge, Scripture... Being remembered will come to your remembrance. Also, one last thing on this is that when you live a scripture, that's the biggest way to get it in your heart is by living the Word, not just by studying it. There are some people who are professional students. There was a guy that used to minister with us that I delivered him a prophecy one time about that he had the attitude of a professional student. He was always hungry. He just studied the Word constantly. I mean, he ate and slept the Word. He was always studying and studying and studying. And the Lord was rebuking him through this prophecy, it's time for you to quit studying and go to using what you've got and living some of it. And Don didn't like it, not even a little bit. He got upset. I didn't know this until years later, but he said he started to pack up and move out of town right then because he just was upset with me. And he says, well, that's kind of a drastic thing to do. He thought he'd pray about it first. And as he went to praying about it, the Lord told him, he says, I'm the one that told him to say that. He says, you got the attitude of a professional student. And it really touched O'Don, and so he began to start growing up, and he began to start acting on some of the things that he had learned. you all understand what I'm saying by that? A lot of people know all about faith, but they don't use it. A lot of people have learned a tremendous amount about healing, but they don't use it. To really get the Word in your heart, the biggest way to get the Word in your heart is to start acting and doing what you've heard. As you start acting on the Word, I guarantee you, it'll start getting down in your heart. It will. If you're sitting here, you know, and if you've never relied on the Lord much for your healing, if you always turn to the medicine cabinet, to your aspirin, to your shot, to something else, amen? Now, I'm not throwing stones again. You can turn to those things if you want to. But I'm saying that I exercise myself unto godliness. If you're turning to all of those things, you're going to have a hard time saying, Now, let's see, where were those scriptures on healing? But you sit there and you face death, and you know... That if God doesn't perform a miracle, you're going to be dead, or somebody else is going to be dead. And I mean, you stare death in the face, and you take these scriptures and you stand on Isaiah 53, 5, Matthew 8:17, First Peter 2:24. You quote them and quote them and quote them and stand on it and pray it and believe it until it looks like you are just about to lose, and all of a sudden it works. I guarantee you, after that's over, you won't have to say, "Now let's see what were those scriptures that I used." It's a part of you. You've lived it, and it has become a part of you. It how many of you have a hard time remembering your husband or your wife's name? <laughs> you do, well, <or> brother. <laughs> Six months. Well, praise God. I'm going to have to find another example. I have never heard a person who had problem remembering his wife's name. Anyway, the reason you don't have problems remembering, you see, is because you live with them. It's a part of you, and you don't forget something that's like that. But you tend to forget things that you don't live, that aren't a part of you. Like something that you did yesterday may be real to you today because you just experienced it. But if you wait a year, and if you never think about that again, and if it's never brought back to your remembrance any at all, it's going to be hard for you to remember the details. You may be able to get a, you know, kind of a vague remembrance, but you'll forget a lot of the details as time goes on because you haven't lived it. If you will do the same thing with the Word, if you will live the Word, and I mean day by day, if you sneeze instead of saying, I think I must be taking a cold, say, I think I'm taking healing, amen. And you start acting on it. And you start standing on it. And everything you do, you relate the Word of God. And you live the Word. I promise you, it'll be getting in your heart. And once it's in your heart, you have total recall of it. As it's needed, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It'll be manifest in your life. And it'll work. Y'all see that? And I tell you what, there's a lot of times that I do not, I am not able to study the Word the way that I should. Because I'm out ministering, there's times that like, we held a service here not long ago where I've ministered three times in one day. And we minister, and I'd say an average of 17 times a month, and many times over 20-something times a month. And that keeps you pretty busy. And when I'm not ministering, I'm making radio programs. When I'm not making radio programs, I'm replying to tapes or praying with somebody or doing something. We stay pretty busy. And there's a lot of times that I don't have time to be in the Word the way that I should. But did you know, because I've taken time, when I had time, I mean, I used to spend as much as 16 hours a day and meditate on it. I've got it in my heart, and as I drive down the street, everything that we do, we're living the Word. We relate it to it. And therefore, because we're living it, I guarantee you it's still functional within me, and it's working. Now, I need to be in the Word so that I can continue to get new revelation knowledge. I don't need to stop where I am. But I'm saying that you can take it and put it in your heart, and you can meditate it while you're on the job. You can be meditating on the Word if it's in your heart. Amen. A lot of people get condemned because they say, oh, I just, I don't have two, three hours to sit down and study the word. Well, did you know that the apostle Paul and that the apostle Peter and the apostle John, they didn't have two, three hours to sit down and study the word either because they didn't have the word. They didn't have a Bible. Y'all ever thought of that? They seemed to fare pretty well, didn't they? Now, I'm not saying that we're supposed to misuse this or abuse it, but I'm saying that even more important than sitting down and just reading is living what you have heard and meditating on it and making it a part of every moment that you breathe. Now, you still need to be studying over this word because we haven't experienced very much, and you've got to start putting it in so that you can start living it and making it a part of you. But the most important thing is to live what you have. The apostles, all they knew was go into all the world and preach the gospel, cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Nothing's impossible unto you that believe. That's all they had. And they turned the world upside down because they lived it, because it was a part of them. They believed it with every ounce that they had, and it worked. Amen? We need more revelation knowledge, but what you and I have received is enough to transform the world, if we had act on it. What you know today is a hundred times, probably a thousand times greater than what I knew when I first got started. I didn't know come here from Sikkim about any of this. I jumped out and started trying to believe God for healing. We nearly saw Joshua die. We stared death in the face for over three days. I didn't know anything. If I'd have known what I know now, we wouldn't have gone through that. But I'm saying I did know one thing, that the little bit of word I knew would work if I would stand on it. And we stood, and because we didn't quit, it worked. A lot of y'all have a thousand times more knowledge. The reason it doesn't function any better is because we just try it just a little bit. If you'll take it and make it work in your life and stand on it and base your whole life on it, what you know will work. Amen? And it'll become a part of you. And once you do this, you don't have to worry about memorizing Scripture. You live it and you'll never have to try and memorize that Scripture. It's a part of you and you can release your faith, and it is a function of the Holy Ghost to bring back to your remembrance whatsoever the Lord Jesus has spoken to you. It's His responsibility, and praise God, it'll work every time. And when you start doing that, well, then you can, uh, whether you got your Bible with you or not, amen, you got it with you on the inside. I used to always carry my Bible with me, and now I realize I still carry it when I can because it's good to show it to other people. It's good for me to study and do things, but I've learned that if I don't have it on the inside of me, it's not going to help to have it right here. And so I just carry my sword on the inside. Amen. That's the only one the devil recognizes anyway. And I've gotten confident with it. And praise God, it works. And you need that. It'll really benefit you. And it'll change your life if you'll go to believe in God for remembering Scripture through the Scripture method.